Welcome to the Recruiting Gym Podcast, the home of recruitment learning. Recruiters need to improve every single day. The world doesn't get any easier for agency recruiters. And one of the most important decisions a recruiter can make is their niche. Where are you specialising? And a lot of recruiters that I meet and speak to on a day-to-day basis are stuck in a niche that four or five years ago was fantastic because there was a massive mismatch between supply and demand. But in today's world, everyone does what they do and internal recruiters can find the candidates they can find and they're finding themselves in a corner. So finding a new niche is an imperative for many recruiters. But how do you go about that? And today, I'm going to be interviewing Dauta Dolti from Dolti Partners. And he has been fantastic, not only at developing his business's brand online, but also he is in the process of starting a new recruitment business in a new niche. So I'm going to interview him about how he chose his niche, why he chose his niche, and how he plans to grow that business. We're here back on the podcast. So Dauta, how are you? Are you well? I'm used to being on the other side of this uh, podcasting crack. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a little nervous. You're going to have to be kind with me today. Oh, indeed. Well, you are my like, you're like my father of podcasts where I've listened to you and watched you doing what you do and knowing that it's not, you can't commit to these sort of things lightly. So we're, uh, we're relatively new in our podcast, but it's great to, to return the favor because I know from, from being on your podcast, I've certainly had leads that have come in and people that have reached out to me. So hopefully we can do the same for you as well. Yeah, brilliant. Okay. Well, uh, so, so, yeah, so, so uh, forgive me, I'm, uh, I'm in a meeting room and someone decided to open the door. Uh, like, I think we've got a couple of recruiters on the floor and you know how recruiters just wander into any room uh, that they see with a phone on their ear. Uh, yeah. So, we'll punch uh, them in the you what? sorry? We'll punch them in the face. Well, no, to be fair, when I see a recruiter on the telephone, it sort of makes a, an old man cry, really, the fact that there's one out there that still believes the phone has a role to play. So, uh, but, but, but do you want to give us a quick overview, Dalta, of how you've uh, grown your business and, and what you do? So, so to sort of basically bring us up to speed on what you're doing next. Sure. So uh, like many people, I, I started my career at a large firm. It was Robert Walters. I was a tech recruiter there for uh, a few years. Um, and then I was a tech recruiter in Canada for a national organization for a year. I had a lot of success at Walters, not so much success in Canada. I hit a recession at the wrong time. And... Long story short, my wife and I fell into setting up a rec-to-rec business. We moved to Guatemala, spent the last of our savings, and we managed to get lucky and get a couple of placements and fell into a niche of helping agency recruiters move around the world. We moved ourselves around the world, and over time, I developed a model where we used Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week um, as a framework. And figured out how we could break down the different components that are involved in the recruitment lifecycle and outsource as many of as much of that to virtual assistants. That process has taken a few years to get up and running, um, and now we have a dedicated team of four. Uh, sourcing administrative recruiters, um, most of which are, who are based in Romania. I'm a full-time marketing assistant. Um, I have 20 
nine people in process at the moment interviewing for our core, core locations at the moment in the UK and LA and New York and in Australia and in Dublin. And mostly what we've done to date is we move UK and Irish recruiters abroad because that's what we did when we were in agency recruitment. Yeah. And yeah, stop me at any stage. No, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. So, I mean, what I think is exciting about that is that you've started your own recruitment business, but you've tried to reinvent the model. So rather than being, uh, let's build a team in a fixed location, let's think about how do we rework that process. So for you and your wife, it's you and Charlotte, isn't it, within the business day to day? It is. And I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head. We were the only two-man recruitment business that had one person dedicated to operations. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, it's a... Uh, so, but but even if you you take the fact that we all know Charlotte's the the the, the engine uh, just whips you into shape every day. Uh, <laughs> we, but the fact is, is that you've got tw- almost thirty people in process, and most solo recruiters or even one or two man band recruiters would not have thirty people in process, especially thirty people that are probably going to be relocating. Uh, and so. It's really exciting to see how you've driven so much volume through the bit. You're driving so much volume through the business without necessarily a massive infrastructure. Yeah. And the, the two things that I believe in are that you need to have a strong brand presence, images, video, speaking, all of that stuff on the front end, like your window into your business. And you need to have a process and structures and systems in place to make sure that you're in front of all the talent pool that you want to be in front of so you can have an engagement process to eventually be the person that they come to when they're ready. And to facilitate all of that, I also believe that all the other stuff needs to be done by administrators and not salespeople. Uh, I think we put too much emphasis on the selling, the constant selling throughout a process. and. I like I like to think that that could be just one killer recruiter in the middle. So for us in what we do, it's it's me in the middle and it's the it's my team supporting me, but also developing their skill set over time. So they're slowly becoming standalone rec to recs. Um now given I was an IT recruiter to begin with, I thought I'd have an IT recruitment business a long time ago. Um, but circumstance happened that we started doing quite well at this. And then it moved from being a lifestyle business into something a little bit more. And it's always posed the question to me, how, how can I scale? How can I scale in rec to rec? It's, a, it's an awful, awful sector to get into. Um, because people, if you hire somebody, they can just take your business because the client side isn't very difficult. Um, so you'll, you'll very rarely find a rec to rec with more than 15 people, whereas other niches, you know, you can get up and running and scaled a lot quicker. So it's very difficult to get that done. And that's posed a lot of questions to me in terms of long-term direction. And also it's, uh, the the challenge with rec to rec is your, the, whether people work out or not is the, the relatively high attrition rate. In, in 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 recruitment and whilst you do your best and clients do their best that 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 makes it difficult also there's so many variables through the process it's not about 
like in management accounting or cloud computing, like when someone can do the job, if they meet the line manager and like each other, they can do the job. Where in recruitment, everyone looks like they do the same thing, but there's a lot of variables in between. And cultural fit almost drives everything. Uh, and, and, and there's a lot of egos involved. It is, but you can talent pool culture fit, I think. Um, if somebody works for Walters, they're going to fit Page and half and, and maybe even Hayes. If somebody works for S3, they're going to fit, you know, Faden, Oliver James, GQR, all of those firms. You know, I, I, I think there's, there's like for like in, it, you can tell a lot from where the founder came from and the processes and structures that they've put in place. Yeah. Um, but you are right. It, it is difficult when it comes down to personality versus personality decision. Um, and a large part of the, the recruiter attrition that we've managed to avoid is because we do international moves and that really locks in recruiters to two and three year contracts in terms of like, you know, they own their visa. So it's helped us kind of foster those long-term relationships, but it's also hindered us in terms of, you know, it's hard to find somebody who's going to move abroad and a large part of what we've done in the last 12 months is focusing on London and, get to know you've seen me in London a lot more often speaking at events and yeah it, it, yeah I'm just trying to get to like it's, just, it's hard to get to grips with that marketplace I think like I could tell you I could tell you about every nation in seven or eight core locations around the world but London is one I'm like it's so vast and there's so many agencies and to know and work out who the best players are in every niche it's uh it's definitely trickier than other marketplaces yeah definitely definitely so uh, but but one of the things we're we're here to talk about today is you're we're moving beyond rec to rec and you're you're now starting a, a new niche and I, I love it when businesses start new niches because I'm always curious as to the thought process that went into that and 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 their strategy around how they're gonna how they're gonna grow that. So tell us tell us what your new niche is gonna be and then we can we can work out how you got there. <laughs> okay, so um, we've secured a senior hire. Uh, Let's hope she doesn't get a counter offer, hey? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, she, she's gonna she's gonna launch on April twentieth for us, um, and I'm going to use exactly the same model as we have in uh, in our Rectorect business. So we're going to build a, a, a podcast platform around her uh, within her niche. Her niche is going to be um, uh, cloud in cloud architects mainly in the Microsoft space, UK, Europe to start, and then we'll build around her for the US market as well. Okay. Um, the, and then we're going to be, she's going to be fully remote. So she's going to be able to work wherever she wants. Um, she's going to be completely flexible in the hours. Uh, I'll be there with guidance, structures, systems, and process. Um, and we'll be supporting her with our marketing team and our sourcing administration team that we will build around her as well. Okay. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, so what, what was it that made you choose sort of Microsoft Cloud as a, as a niche? Okay, so um, one of the benefits of being a rec to rec is I get to see under the hood thousands of recruitment businesses around the world. Um, and being – so firstly – I wanted something that I understand. So I did I did four years of IT infrastructure. Um, that market has evolved from people working on servers and, and the likes into people working in cloud. 
and those candidates I used to deal with who were engineers are now architects. And it, it it's an area that I was led in because this funny story how the, this hire came about. We did a video about our team and uh, about our Christmas party. And this, this recruiter reached out to me and said, your team look amazing. I, I, would you would you ever consider me to come and join? And I said, you'd be completely wasted in rec to rec, but I'd like to explore, I'd like to explore you coming in and doing what you do right now for us. So we, uh, we put our heads together and went through an extensive process and developed out a business plan and added our model into it. And we landed on this area. But I, I'm open to looking at other areas over the year now as well. But to, to cut a long story short, if I was to, 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 to explore any area, it would need to be a candidate short area. It would need to be an area that is high end, um, that isn't too niche where there's only a couple of clients, so not too searchy. I like that high to middle end where you can put one client, one candidate to 15 good players. You can open up doors that um, it's an area that is economically you know, viable in the long run where you can see that the technology is going to run and run and run. Um, and I think that's the, that's, that's, that's the thing is, is that it's finding a, when you're starting a new desk, it's finding a market where, if you have a candidate, it will get you past a PSL. It will get you past an internal recruitment team. I, I was working with someone recently and they wanted to start an IT business doing general IT infrastructure, help desk, and 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 they were struggling to get into clients. And I'm like, well, the problem is, is they don't need anyone. Like they're getting the people that they want. And the only way into new clients is is by having, is being able to provide something no one else can provide. Uh and and that's and, what I see daily. Yeah, and, and and for us to be able to do that, she will be visiting Microsoft suppliers top two hundred um, across the UK and Europe. She'll be speaking at events. She'll be having her own podcast in that space, and she'll be helping them with their employer branding as a as a lead gen into speaking, and uh, and she'll be sharing and value propositioning through that, and and for me. I always look at things like how many clients are in the space? How many A, B, and C candidates are there within the niche that we want to go at? And how do we engage? How do we, how do we first acquire, then engage that talent pool? And then how do we transmit that into results of bringing product to market and ultimately getting fees in the door? And I think that the good thing for you, you pick the right niche and the nature of your model is investing a lot upfront to get those inbound opportunities to mm. build client relationships to build awareness amongst candidates and and by doing it that way irrespective of whether you're a well-known brand or not the presence of what you build a bit like if you think about your brand within the recruitment space it's much bigger than any other rec to rec that i know uh because you put yourself out there and focused on giving to the community rather than just taking and focusing on, on 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 placements, not that not to say you're not focused on that, but you but you focused on being becoming part of the community before you before you try to earn. Yeah, and I think we need to do that these days because ultimately the smash and grab approach 
has not done the industry any favors and how it's viewed. So if, if we can be part of the network that we're trying to work with and we can feel that we're giving to them, then that relationship is a real relationship and not not just us. Yeah. You know. Okay. Sling. And and so so the question always comes in, well, sort of like Alex, yeah, podcasts sound great, uh, speaking at events sounds great, but how long is it before people make money? So in, in your business model, how long do you think it will take between starting this approach, building the podcast, using that to lead into client conversations and candidate conversations? How long until you're making money do you anticipate? The same as a normal recruitment business. I mean, like you should run all the stuff that you So here's the thing. It isn't a binary choice of being creative or being old school. It's being both. So do all the stuff that you were doing. Like that killer in the middle should be doing all the traditional stuff that you train people to do. But the machine around them should be built to create inbound as things go. So the plan, the plan should be no different to any other recruitment firm. It, it, it's just that all this other stuff should give them even more focus to be speaking to candidates, to be speaking to clients, to be matching them together, to be adding value, to be using their expertise, to be building relationships, and to be to be doing all the stuff that we should be doing. Where I think people go wrong is they go, oh, I'll just be creative now and I'll just do video. And the machine doesn't work and they forget about the traditional stuff that has always worked. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this has been, the model in some ways been around. So I always joke that when I was in big companies is that most big companies outsource their new business development to rookies that join, stay four months, then get fired. And they are, they are the engine of the brand building machine because they land, they've got to make 50, 60 calls a week. You know, they're, they're, they're engaging with loads of candidates, loads of clients. And yeah. in that three months, they might, half of them will leave within six months. But in that time, they pick up one or two clients, they pick up five or six good candidates. And effectively, they've, and you get a flow of those. Effectively, you've got a flow of inbound opportunities that keep getting picked up by the experienced consultants. So what you're doing is just making that machine work a different way. Yeah. I, I mean, now with Rec to Rec, I'm, I'm so slammed. I, 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 like I, I just get calls, calls, calls all day from CEOs and MDs. And we kind of have to really, this sounds a bit brattish, but kind of have to really pick and choose now what we're going to do. Like we're just trying to align ourselves with people who have like massive growth plans and, and, and to, to, to facilitate that over a long time. Because for us, if we talent pool resourcing strategies, we'll get more out of it in the long run. For this person, I mean, just to kind of jump into how, how a podcast could work for them, we would we would itemize those top 200 companies. We would invite all their, all their leaders and best people on as guests. We would engage them and their brand through that. We wouldn't ask for anything in return. Now, we would have all of that process and administration done through our VA team, our sourcing administration team, and in, in conjunction with Georgiana, our marketing person, who's going to, we're going to have to add to that team as well. So you're going to so get of, you're going to get them to basically out do the outreach and invite people onto the podcast and absolutely. manage that process. Yeah, record the podcast. Podcast gets edited in marketing, gets chopped up into into clips. The brand gets shared on 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 our feed, on her feed. We all share it. Um, we tag the company in. Candidates see that the company's been tagged. They then go, Do you know what? Wow, they're really connected. 
oh, look at them. That's that's interesting. Other clients see it and go, oh, are they working with them? Oh, they, they sound pretty good. And that builds the snowball effect of credibility in your brand. And everybody sees that you're giving and you're the expert. So therefore, you know. Would you, get your new, would you get your new lady being the one that books the, the podcast interviews or would you have your virtual team doing that some of that initial outreach to those top 200 as well? It'd be a mixture of both, to be honest with you. Um, they will be in her account as much as anything else in her LinkedIn account. But also I would say like, like, so, so firstly, the person I've hired is 10 years experience and lots of credibility. And that was, that was core to this is you have, you have a platform already that I can turn into something amazing. I'm, I'm given the stuff that I've learned in the last couple of years, I'm completely confident. So it will, will, will dip into what, what exists already. And then we'll use that to get the next thing in, but anything that's administration focused needs to be needs to be done by the team because this person needs to build they need to speak to the best candidates talk to the clients about the candidates and make those placements like i i can't stress enough it's not it's not one or the other it, the whole machine has to work together yeah and so what you're telling me is that you don't want to be paying some or someone shouldn't be paid 100 grand a year to arrange interviews you know, you, you, should yeah. paying, you should be paying someone six quid an hour to do that because that's the level of the job. Yes, um, yes, absolutely. And like, I, I want to create something that when this works, and I, I, I'll make sure it works because I'll just get obsessed and and Charlotte, I'll just be really Charlotte cool. will beat your ass as well if you don't. Oh, listen, she cares about money. I just care about the game, so she will. She will beat my ass, yeah, if there's no money. <laughs> so can I ask you a few questions? Because I know we're, 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 we always try and keep these things to below half an hour. Could we spend a yeah. few minutes on some of the growing pains of using sort of virtual resource? Because it's it's one of those things yeah. that sounds like a good idea, but, yeah. but but is easier said than done. So, what are some of the what are some of the challenges you've had using virtual virtual assistants in different parts of the world? Um, choosing the wrong people. Firstly, we got lucky. We we got a lady called Andrea who's worked for us for for a few years. Um, she she now kind of manages the team for us. Over time, we've developed structures and processes and lots of lots of things that make everything run smoothly. But whenever we take somebody on, the hardest bit is to get their head around how to headhunt, um, and then it's about how to focus their time. I'll be honest, right? It's, exactly all the same challenges you face when you bring in a recruiter to an office it it's it's getting that activity that intensity doing things right following instructions time management all all of that but it's hard for somebody to do it straight off the bat because you're not going to have this person in front of you so it's yeah. It, it, it's really so. What you're telling me is that it's as as hard work getting a virtual employee up and running as it is a physical employee that you have sitting next to you. I think it's harder. Okay. I think, I think it's harder, but it's, well, because a couple of hours could go past and maybe they haven't done what I needed and they haven't learned it. Whereas in an office, I would have hooked them in ten minutes and went, "No, stop. Let's try this." And, but at the same time, I think maybe like I'm easier to deal with virtually. 
<laughs> so maybe, maybe like, maybe I've had to develop this model because I'm a pain in the arse. Yeah. So uh, do, do, how much time do you spend inspecting the detail? Because what I found when I've used virtual assistants is you sort of just that exasperation of right now I've got to read every email. Uh, how long did it take you to? How much inspection did you need until you were getting the standard that you needed? Very little now, to be honest. Uh, now it's just about activity and refining it. At the start, a lot. Um, but Charlotte did a lot on that, so it's it, it's got easier over time. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, and and so and you. Where did you find those those virtual assistants? Um, we find them on Upwork uh, at the start, but as our business has developed, we've. Uh, really steered in to get them from LinkedIn. So you're recruiting your own, you're direct, just de- directly recruiting your own staff now? Uh, yeah, but still, I would still say that for uh, virtual assistants, I'd still say we we have a, I don't know, it's, a, it's just a bit, in, on Upwork, we were able to get lower level hires. And you know, the bit, what I need from, from recruiters it has changed over time. So the profile that we go for now would not be your Filipinos or somebody with no recruitment experience. I would go for somebody who is a talent acquisition professional who is living in Romania, for example, right. and wants to work from home. Okay. Fantastic. Well, Delta, it's uh, I've loved watching your business grow and the story uh, develop. I'm. Uh, I know you can't tell us who this person is and what the what the brand will be, but I'm super excited to see you work this model because you can see, in effect, you becoming the the sort of the incubator for people that want to start a really successful business in with this type of model. And so, like, you get yourself a .NET person, then you get yourself a Workday person. That that sort of the the, the model around them because I think a lot of people think about starting their own business and they're given the same support that they would get if they started in a big business, which is we'll do your invoicing and, but you've got to go and pick up the phone where I think the marketing support or the, the inbound strategy around that, I think could become a really compelling proposition for, for building that sort of that uh, suite or cadre or cohort of, of, of startups. Yeah. And I think that's, a, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I think our aim is to keep it in-house at the moment and not be like an SSG or, or, or one of those places because I feel what they don't do right is they're not able to control the person that comes in. So they're not able to influence them as much as, say, you can if, if the person's an employee. Um, but I, I think if, if 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 the model did work and it was something we did, we, we were going to go down. I'd probably look at helping other businesses as well. But like anything, I have to prove it works for us first. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's also it's quite difficult to do lots of different things at the same time, and you still got you still got a business to run, haven't you? So you've got to you've got to you've got to grow whilst also feeding the family. Yeah, I know. And then it comes down to do you do you just stick in Microsoft and just because. Luckily, we've, you know, we've known lots of recruiters. So, you know, as soon as you get the clients in that and you have the brand, then you can really hire people that don't have a strong business development skills, but you can offer them all the other stuff as well. So I'm, uh, 
I'm hopeful that we can make this uh, make this grow. And I'm really in the mood to do something that's a bit more scalable and not as lifestyle focused as uh, as Rectorac. There we are. Well, I'm sure uh, as quick as you earn it, Charlotte will help you spend it. Uh, <laughs> And uh, or, or, or or vice versa. Don't want any. Don't want to make any un, un, undue assumptions. Uh, I'm the I'm the spender in our household. So uh, I've seen your senior shoes. Yeah, exactly. To fair, I've 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 got a bit addicted to those types of shoes. I bought a gold pair the other day. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, the orange ones. I still can't. I wore them yesterday, and I'm I'm still struggling to get my head around it. Truth be told. So, uh, but. Uh, but Dalton, do you want to tell uh, everybody where they can find you uh, in terms of what your podcasts are and, and all those types of things to make sure that whilst you're part of the Recruiting Gym podcast, we can make sure we we, we send people your way? Because I, I, I love listening to your your podcast. Yeah. Okay. So the, the podcast is called the Recruiter Startup Podcast, um, and it is 300 listens away from 100,000 downloads. It's great. That's all. Um, yeah, it's it. it. It's good, and I'm, I'm going to revamp it and uh, and put a bit of effort into it now. But one of the things was it it did quite well, and then I got busy as a business, and you know it, it's very hard to juggle all the balls, isn't it? Um, so uh, you can also catch me on LinkedIn, uh, Dulta Doherty, D U A L T A. Um, our website is dultadoherty.com, and yeah, just reach out to me on LinkedIn, connect. I'm always open to hearing from people and chatting and we uh, we're doing rec to rec everywhere probably have enough clients but open to open to having conversations basically if you're looking for an exciting opportunity abroad and uh, then and you want a choice then then I guess you're 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 the door to knock on I am absolutely thank you fantastic well I really look forward to you getting to that hundred thousand uh, I think we're at like 200 now so uh, we're, we're we're well well behind. Uh, but we'll 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 work on on catching up. But I really appreciate you spending time with us, uh, Dalta, and uh, I'm sure our paths will cross again soon. And uh, yeah, best of luck with your new venture. Thanks, Alex. Thank you for listening to this recruiting gym podcast. Our goal is to give you the information that you need in order to help you grow your successful recruitment team or your business. If you want to be a podcast guest and you've got something to share that you think will make a difference to the industry, please feel free to reach out to us. We're always looking for ideas and tactics, and we love working with practitioners that are either leading teams or recruiting day to day, so we can make sure we share the latest ideas that are working. See you soon.